and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, writer of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms and host of Too Many Podcasts, and with me each week are two amazing people who are... I'm Erin Evans. I write fantasy novels, and best known for uh, the books of the Usurper and uh, the Brimstone Angels saga. It is I, B. Dave Walters, friend to all mankind, eh, friend, friend to most, most of mankind. <laughs> the lucky ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The statistical majority of mankind. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just just uh, I also do a little bit of the wording and the writing and the teaching and the wording and the writing. So what? Uh, yeah, 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 I know. You? you? Know, it's weird. <laughs> I don't seem like the type, I know. Yeah. Why are you being like so you gorgeous to... and so smart? I feel like you need to oh. flex with that. He's like, oh, I don't seem like the type. Ah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. That was uh, too bad. This is an audio show. I am rocking I the tank top, uh, folks. See, here, here's was, the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing that that I can really mess with the listeners about. I have all of the videos of every one of these episodes. You know, <laughs> I don't I get rid them of up. them. You could put them up. <laughs> but there's been so many episodes that, up. like, we've just been like, man, I'm really glad it's not a video episode tonight. <laughs> It's true. Hey, hey, look, man. I reserve the right to show up in a bathrobe and you know cut off the flip flops on occasion. Like there it's you, uh, there you go. You know? It's your show. You do mm-hmm. what you want. Exactly. Anybody who says they don't write like that on the regular is a liar. Yeah, I call that the mental health dress. Yeah. <laughs> cozy gear. Uh, cozy gear. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I think I like. I think the only time that I've written like that is if I'm writing in bed, because otherwise I'm like I'm oh, boring. I, and I get you know, and that's I love the desk. See, I, I oh so no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I love a day when I can get up, change out of my pajamas, change into clean pajamas, and just have a pajama day. I'm much happier writing in my pajamas. Huh. You know, but I'm slightly I, obsessed with pajamas, just for the record. I was about to say, I hear this switching into clean pajamas business, and it's like I will rock a pair of pajamas until they can get up and walk away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I. I, Until they go write their own book. That's true, exactly, yeah. Until they vow revenge, yes, exactly. Um, and uh, I, I don't, so, I, and, and I don't write in bed. I, I always have to, like, get up and go to the computer. So I usually will put on, like, some, I'll at least put on shorts, but a lot of times it is shirt optional, though. Like, most of my life is shirt optional. So I, I, I definitely look like, uh, like a uh, uh, in an art house redneck, but, <laughs> but uh, that's the see, name of my next book. See, that's book, not by the, the image I got, and I, I know like it, it. I know that's the image title. I got is not right. But like, yeah. I just I pictured you just at a standing desk, shirt off, flexing while writing, <laughs> and just death metal playing at just. You know, the, the good yeah. death when metal where you're out... not sure if they're singing about Ikea furniture or not. <laughs> yeah. When we put out the writing about dragons and shit calendar. There it is. We'll, we'll do, it, yeah. That we'll do a heartthrob calendar of the three of us. <laughs> Done. But it's just us in our most, most comfortable pajamas. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> just maximum comfiness. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
well, hello, listeners. Uh, we, we're doing uh, more Preptober episodes. Uh, and if, I mean, if you were intrigued with the last episode, be, be excited for the poop. Yes, I did title it that, by the way. Yay. Um, <laughs> yep. Excellent callback. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to last week's episode. Yes. <laughs> Wait, do we have, do these have numbers? Like, how do, do I even, I was about to say, I this keep episode saying. episode 94. I keep saying last week, but that kind of exists like in a void of <laughs> meaninglessness. True. I mean, the far flung future. I mean, who knows for folks? And there's I, there's people out there binging our show now. We have enough episodes that people binge our show. That's why. Excellent so taste. Yeah, right. Enjoy. <laughs> I am impressed that you're not tired of my voice. Um, well, that and I worry when they're binging it, though, that they'll be like, holy shit, you just said that. And I'm like, to me, that was two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I, know, like, I, I know. Yeah, I think yeah. about that, too. But sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I mean, that that is the the unfortunate catch 22 of this kind of content that on the mm -hmm. one hand, you don't want to be overly repetitive, but on the other hand, you also can't assume that people have like, yeah, you know, listened yeah. to the last ninety three episodes. Yeah, if someone was like, "I just started the new episode and I haven't gone back," I'd be like, "Ah, that's fair." Yeah, Ooh, exactly. Things happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, some good waiting on you when you have a chance to go back. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um. But yeah, so we wanted to continue this uh this Preptober series. Uh, in Preptober, I, I thought kind of like a a, a quick discussion about and i say quick it's gonna be the whole episode um but like world building because <laughs> like world building is one of those things where it's like it could, it could take be a lot of so many episodes yeah uh shameless plug i spent an entire day of uh both 14 day writer and 14 day ttrpg creator teaching world building so there you go if you want to dive super deep you can visit www.theundisputedacademy.com the that's the important thing it is now it is now <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you uh, got that figured out. But yeah, oh, so so if this is nightmare. Not... That that was a whole different world to build. Oh yeah. god. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah, if if this uh, isn't enough, uh go check those out. We do have a few episodes um uh in the past about world building. Uh, I think our episode with Patrick Rothfuss actually is talking about that. Uh but yeah, we you know, this is if you haven't listened to those before, you're just finding us because of Preptober or NaNoWriMo. Uh we're going to talk about world building and specifically under the lens of like okay it is uh october 9th and i need to world build something for november what do i do um so yeah i i what i was trying to think of like where to start with this and i kind of feel like in this situation is knowing your scope i was about to say i know where i'd start with it Nobody cares about your 15,000 years of history. That's where I'd start yes, with it. Yes. You're also not going to write 15,000 years of history in the amount of days you have. No. You're, you definitely shouldn't, or, you're, or your book is going to turn into the damn Silmarillion. Uh, and that's that sounds you... so exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> you even hearing it? Yep. So, so what, what, where, what do you think is the place to start when it comes to world building for NaNoWriMo? Well, I think you can grab it, you can kind of grab it by two different ends, right? Because I think, um, you know, when, when we talked about historically, um, longtime fans of the show will know about uh, Beats here. Part of the reason why I'm getting tongue-tied is I did something I don't usually do. I usually have it where it kind of like bounces back and forth between who's talking. Uh, I pinned Aaron to the screen. 
And so it's kind of like honestly great and powerful because it makes it so much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. She is beautiful to behold. She's distracting. Um, but, but <laughs> it, it, um, you know, when, when we talk about, let me take one step back here to give you some context, but I swear I'm going somewhere with this. So when we talk about establishing the beats of a story, we talk about the things that happen, which is not the theme. The theme is what's it about, mm-hmm. but what happens. If you are like, I want to tell a bank robbery story. It's like, great. Okay. Then you need a scene about the bank robbery. Then you automatically know you need a scene about planning the bank robbery. You also know you need an escaping the bank robbery or not escaping the bank robbery. And each one of those kind of begets the next thing, right? So if you're thinking about a story and you're like, well, I want to tell a story about a bank robbery. Well, now you got kind of two questions. Is it modern or is it fantasy or is it sci-fi, right? You know, is it, is it just set in Chicago? Is it set in the 1920s? Is it set a week ago? Is it set 200 years in the future in Chicago? Or is it set on Arrakis, you know? <laughs> because now you got a little heavier lifting to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, because contrary to popular opinion, even if you tell me I'm going to write a crime drama about a bank robbery in Chicago set in november of 2023 i'm gonna be very mad about this you know Mm -hmm. i'm like well there's still world building because you still have to bring chicago to life in the environs that the characters find themselves in so uh i'm gonna stop ranting at least temporarily when i would say you kind of start building the foundation underneath your feet you know that if you know i want uh it's about a person who does blank or it's about the land of blank or i just want a a story about wizards that can shoot fireballs out of their navels great you know just start (laughs) right underneath that i want you to know so many bodily um openings rotated through my mind about where the fireball (laughs) could come out of right then by the way you know, they did on belly button real time. Um, but uh, and then you, you, you start building like what's going to necessitate that is mm-hmm. kind of where you start, in my opinion. But I mean, and, and that kind of works with whatever it is, because I think for the most part, for the most part, your story's not about the place. You know, even though Dune is called Dune, the story's not about Dune. The Dune is about Paul Atreides, the sleeper who must awaken. You know, so yeah. yeah. All right, uh, I, I'm gonna stop saying words. I will say that it's like uh, setting can definitely be a character uh, on its own and stuff like that. It is but a yeah, character. Yeah. But it, it is just not the main. It is character. not the character, and yeah. it is not the story. Uh, I mean, there's obviously things that can that are exceptional to that, and that's the thing with writing. There's exceptions yep. to all this stuff. It's just you know, do it well. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, you you definitely, and I, I think when when we talk about actually how you execute on the world building, treating the world like a character is one of the ways you do that. It's uh like like we talk about in sci-fi. You know, most of these shows, you know, the Enterprise is a character. The yeah. TARDIS is definitely a character. Yeah. The TARDIS has things to say, but you know, <laughs> the Galactica is a character. You know, and like that is uh, informing everything else around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's interesting. And I'm glad you talked because I was kind of going, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think my expectation is that if you have a story in mind, you know, kind of what your setting is like, you know, it's going to be, you know, a bank robbery. Maybe you don't know it's Chicago, but maybe, you know, it's a major metropolitan American city. Um, you know, you want to tell a story about, uh, a particular character, you can imagine some things about them and their world. And what 
I would do at that point is take some time to absorb information that will be useful to you. So if you know that, for example, you're going to write a story and you are going to set it on a desert planet, <laughs> it might behoove you to go read up about people who live in deserts through yes. history. How does this work? What is important? What kind of features do they have? Um, what are the stories they tell? And, and in absorbing all of that, you may get some ideas that you can use in a careful way. Um, you might yourself go, you know, read up about desert ecosystems and find weird animals you might want to use and come up with ideas based on that. I feel like a lot of world building is putting in enough sort of like, um, material to, to, that can, raw material that you can sort of generate into the story as you go. Because a lot of this stuff, I think it, it definitely, your story benefits from your ability to build the world kind of around it, to get into a space and know, okay, in this place, I need to establish this kind of thing. Um, and so much of that is based on who your characters are and, and where they are and what you want to show about the world in the story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a fan of the big, like, I, I, I think I'm a pretty good world builder. I've had my world building called out. I'm not a big preloaded world builder. Mm -hmm. I will pull on a couple of details. I will kind of do a quick sketch of things. Um, I will know what it is that I want to convey with this world um, in, in sort of broad strokes. And I will sort of pull all these pieces together frequently out of stuff that I already have filling up my head. And like I've established, I really like history as a source, but you might be looking at something different. Um, all of that stuff that you sort of learn and observe and and pull into yourself, that is your, what you're going to create out of. So fill it all up. Um, I think for, you know, figuring out sort of based off, if you're listening to this podcast, excellent chance that you're planning on writing a fantasy or a sci-fi story of some kind, something with something in it that isn't uh, normal. Uh, something <laughs> that you can't just go out and observe. So you might want to make some kind of decisions about sort of magic levels or tech levels or, you know, are there any features of this world in this setting that you're going to need to decide on? Um, things I like making lists of are sort of, if you are... Uh, so for... I like making lists of names for 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 world building purposes because i find stopping to pick a name is very uh time consuming and distracting mm -hmm. and so if i have a list of pre-made names that are sort of masculine feminine neutral um and surnames if i need them uh so i can just grab those uh and, and the youtube captions can take away from you immediately <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. That was that was really great. For, we, for we, we, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. For, I was about to say, let's not let's not let them suffer. Yeah, for the listeners, uh, there was an episode of uh, Fearful Symmetry recently where uh, uh, the captioning program we were using did not like the D and D location Malboge, uh, and just inserted I some some someone, fun other things. I told so I pointed out to someone that when they dropped to zero, their soul got pulled to Malboge. But it came out with your soul went straight to my balls. <laughs> I mean, 
It was beautiful. It's, it's <laughs> it, you know, it, it is it is a confused a confusing afterlife to find yeah. oneself that leaves you several additional questions. I'm yeah. I, I I love the idea of just using the epithets for Malbols for for one's genitalia. I will be referring to mine as my garden of corruption from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That's world building. That's uh, world building. <laughs> you, you know, you know, we're, we're joking, but that's not not world. It's building. not not. That's <laughs> the annoying <laughs> thing. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> oh lord. So anyway, things that you might have to like randomly grab are handy. Um, I'm thinking of things I have like works in progress. Having, if you have a world like, okay, so we've kind of talked about projects we have in progress. I have a setting which involves um, sort of like kaiju gods, right? Mm -hmm. And these are sort of like part deity, part wandering monster, and they interrupt the story at various times. Um, And there are also these sort of tales. So... At one point, I made a list of possible things that would be cool kaiju monsters and made up some names. And so I have those. And this is, I'm going to say, different. And this might sound like splitting hairs, but it truly is different from sort of establishing, like, your full pantheon, which you can you can do. Just don't, like, the idea is, like, this is something you're pulling from. It's not a, not a like, to-do list. Yeah. You don't need to name check all of these people. I don't need to use all of these gods. I don't need to use all of these names. I just have them. So when I'm like, okay, so they need to flee across the countryside with the bad guys chasing them. But oh no, something's going to wake up. It's a spider god. Dun, dun, dun. It just popped in my head. It's Um, okay. Spider god. And its name is Argos the Many-Eyed. Cool. Like, whatever. Um, But I don't have to, like, do that on the fly because sometimes that's very disruptive to your process. Mm -hmm. So things like that, I think, can be really helpful um, just to to smooth the way on this journey. Could I insert one little thing here? Um, Mm -hmm. Even that whole idea, because ironically enough, we separately, independently came upon kaiju god stories that we both have. (laughs) Um, But even being like, this is a world with kaiju gods. You know, giant musters, they, they walk around and people worship them. You know, like, I mean, that that already becomes an element of world building because yep. that is yeah. now separated the world that the characters inhabit from the world that the reader inhabits, which I think if I had to define world building, which honestly, even though I have both spoken and taught at length, www.theundisputedacademy.com. <laughs> now. Uh, I don't know that I've defined world building, but I think I would define world building is the elements of your story that that transcend the normal world the thing the reader needs to know to understand where those people are yeah um i mean but even i think i I won't necessarily say the things that transcend the normal world because with the previous example you can set a story in chicago but you still need to get across what is it the information that the reader requires to understand the context of everything that's happening that's what world building is like 
oh, I want to do a bank robbery thing, I probably shouldn't name drop a real bank. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> get the layout of a real bank. So yeah, you got to make up a bank. That bank doesn't exist in real life. So now you yeah, got to build a little bit of what they are. And maybe there's a diner down the street of it. You probably don't want to drop the name Denny's. Uh yeah, <laughs> that'll get you a visit from the feds. Exactly. You know, one, one, one of my favorite stories like because that is, um, yeah, because of Denny's. <laughs> um, you know, where I come from, at Little Rock, Arkansas, there wasn't much to do. And there was two types of kids. There was the Denny's kids and the Waffle House. Or the, the Denny's kids and the IHOP kids. The Denny's kids and the oh, IHOP kids. Oh, I was, I was very much a Denny's kid. Um, but one, one of my favorite stories of that kind of thing is uh, Tom Clancy, who has no military training. Yep. He's just a good researcher and has an active imagination was so accurate in his description of subs like in the hunt for red october and like how wait tom clancy wrote the hunt for red october yeah. no yeah. Yeah. yeah um it was so accurate literally the feds came and like he was nearly indicted on espionage and he was just like no i just Give kind up your of sources right and he was like well no i just kind of know logically that this is kind of how it has to work like if it's this long and there's the engines this has to kind of be here and this kind of has to be here and this kind of has to be here and they're like oh right <laughs> So it is a brilliant cover for clearly Tom Clancy, who was a spy the entire yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's what I was like. I mean, he's like, nah, comrade. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no. No. My name is Tom Clancyman, a very American. <laughs> and you just have an active imagination. Yeah. But that is true. His, his world building was so good, he almost got put in prison. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> So it's it sounds like what what y'all are saying here is like um and I I'm not I don't know about like every time but at least for this situation of planning out plotting beat sheet and stuff like that and then building what you need for that. I mean, I think so especially because uh, for NaNoWriMo in particular kind of the ethos is leanness, yeah. you know? Like you you can lose a lot of time lost in the weeds if you're not careful. I do think that sort of uh, I, I would call it passive world building. Mm -hmm. Like, read up on stuff. Read a guidebook. Let's say it's Chicago, and you can't go to Chicago. Yeah. Like, read some guidebooks. Yeah. Like, watch some videos of people walking around Chicago. See what you yeah. notice. Absorb that detail, because that's the thing that's going to make the difference. I, um, I once wrote a book set in London. I have not been to London. I haven't been yeah. out of the United States. But you know what? Google was great. Yeah, and Google, I actually, Google's I, been there. Yeah. I will put a tiny little asterisk on this if you're going to write in a real world place because uh, it's really easy to mess up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've definitely, I, I, you know, it's it happened more with books set in St. Louis than I've ever experienced with books set in Seattle. But people don't really understand how long it takes to drive places in St. Louis, <laughs> just as an example. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I could always tell when someone like looked at a map because it's like your character is going from like, you know, one side of the city for for breakfast and then driving over here for lunch. And I'm like, oh, my God, you don't even understand how bad that traffic is. <laughs> <laughs> like just just things like that. So, I mean, you can, but then I, I do feel like. I, I like like really look into to sources. Don't just be like, and I went to the gameplay arch. Like, okay, it's not yeah. really worth it, guys. There's I will also say there, there's there's a level in detail of that that you don't need, especially for real world places. Like, <laughs> there there there's a book I won't I won't name drop, but like there's a book that I read that regularly mentions street names of a real city, and every time I read, it, I just go sure. 
right? Like a lot of that. Uh, what am, uh, I'm not gonna, how am I going to correct you? I don't know. <laughs> it, I, it can be a, it can work in a story where like naming the street matters, but a lot of the time it's just. I got the guidebook. The, I remember the one I love and I've seen in places. When you see pictures of Seattle, you see the Space Needle yeah. and like towering over the city. And actually, the thing, guys, is the Space Needle is like fairly outside the downtown corridor, and it's not that tall. Just people always take pictures of it, so it's in the foreground. So people think it's like. If they don't look, they actually think it's like in the middle of the city. I thought it was in the middle of the city. No. I mean, it's still in Seattle proper, but it's like out a ways. It's like when all the buildings have come down low and we're in like industrial area. I like, totally no. thought that was in the middle of the city. No, I look for if you look for pictures betrayed. of it from the side, there's a pretty solid, pretty solid gap. It just it looks like it's downtown. It's not. So when people it's talk funny. about it sort of looking down on the city, like no, not really. You look kind of across at the city. Yeah. <laughs> that is evident of really just doing your research. Do, do but your again, research. like yeah. most people, on it to be fair, most people don't notice because most people always see that iconic photo with the space needle in the foreground. And they go, mm -hmm. oh, yes, of course. And so it doesn't bother them. And it's the only people who are going to catch you at it are people who have been to Seattle or live in Seattle. That's when you're like, in my version of Seattle, space needle watches you. <laughs> um okay i i'm gonna I'm throw a curveball here so yeah. we're, we're you know this show does have a primary focus on fantasy and sci-fi yeah. um and so one of the things that i want to ask here is okay you're you're getting your world building going and everything like that but you're like oh i actually want the magic to be like involved in the setting now i need a magic system or even uh, in sci-fi where it's like, well, I want, uh, you know, this futuristic tech to be all over the place. Now I have to figure out how that works. So how do you, how do you also throw magic and technology into this world building for NaNoWriMo? This is one of those things where you're asking these questions and I'm like, do people decide to do this and not think about these things as part of the idea? But okay, let's say that's how it goes. Um, <laughs> it's very strange to me. Like, I feel like that's not a thing you decide after. That's a thing you decide with. But it is sort of a thing you should be thinking about with your world building because the addition of magic or technology will vastly change the way that society functions mm -hmm. in the same way that getting electricity made, you know, modern life very different um, or cell phones. Yeah. Um, magic does the same kinds of things and it should. Um, so I think that is part of, you know, what you should be sort of thinking about when you're, when you're putting these ideas together, like how much is magic involved and what can the magic do? Um, you know, if you're going to write a fantasy story, I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm like, what's the story that you came in going, I want to write a fantasy story and I know X, but oh, I got to think of a magic system because I feel like if I knew that I could answer this question a little better, mm -hmm. but I'm a little stumped. Well, I mean, I, 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 I could see it. Um, well, like again, where we were, um, you know, I, I want to tell a bank robbery on a desert planet. Right. Okay. But also I want legally distinct Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like the cops have superpowers. You know what I mean. Like I, yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I can feel see like a way that you backdoor. Your I guess way. so. I guess so. I feel like that's so. That's so generated by the initial impulse. You know, um, like when you go, I'm going to write a fantasy story. 
the assumption is there's going to be magic in it. But let's that that sort of thing like you're like I want the cops to have some kind of magic that they have to be able to thwart and I don't know what that is right but now you've decided the the intent of it right mm -hmm. it has to be magic that can thwart a bank robbery so what does that mean right do they have the ability to tell you know if anyone is is lying by looking at them do they have the ability to does does money have some sort of tracer magic on it like a die pack but mm -hmm. with spells dun, dun, dun. Um, you know or or is there is there some you know is it is it some kind of precog thing where they know you're going to rob the bank before you rob the bank so you have to like pretend like you're not going to rob the bank convince yourself you're, you're, you're not you're robbing like, the you're bank. like thinking robbery thoughts thinking robbery thoughts thinking <laughs> robbery thoughts exactly yeah. like i am going in to apply for a loan until the last second when you're like now nah, i'm robbing this place <laughs> Well, You're like, so, so, I am here to deposit the monies. Okay, so so let, let, let's give it in this example then. So, like, you've been plotting out your stuff and whatnot, and you're getting to the world-building part. And you realize that in your plotting, like, you didn't really think about, like, lighting of a room or anything like that. You're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if it was, like, magic stones? What does that have, like... Do you think there's anything that the person needs to worry about with that or just say they're magic stones or I'm, do they need to put any more world building thought into that? I would say if it is going to affect the plot, mm -hmm. especially if it is going to solve a problem, you need some explanation. Yep. Like even though Star uh, Star Trek and Star Wars are are sci-fi and not uh magic as such it's like phasers work because phasers Light, <laughs> lightsabers are lightsabers you know yeah if you're like oh speak the word and the stone will glow and light up the room it's like gg you know like nobody's gonna be like but how you know <laughs> yeah. unless unless fast forward 600 pages and you're finally facing the balrog and you pull out your room stone and uh, turn it me, on i believe that's malbo my bowl <laughs> My bowels. <laughs> Prepare to face my bowels. <laughs> I mean, pending where that's happening, turning on the lights is a way to stop that from happening. <laughs> Again, this is yeah, not 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 world building. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is I, th I think what you're saying there is like, if you got to that point, I, you would know that from the plotting. I, yeah. I also think, yeah, and I think too that there are still cases there where like it doesn't. It isn't gonna if you've told me this is how the rock works and then the rock works that way down here and and it's never changed i don't care but yeah. if you're like the rock turns on because i know the secret language but the important part of this story is that everybody has to work in the quarry and find these rocks you can only find with the secret language and you're like hold up i see a loophole that's not closed right mm -hmm. that kind of thing where like, okay, uh, okay, so I was reading this book with my son. We still read together. I love it. I hope it never ends. Yeah. Uh, we got it from the library. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like talking about books I don't like, but this one was, we ended up not finishing it very close mm. to the end. Cause he was just like, are you enjoying this? And I'm like, I cannot lie to you. Um, so this is <laughs> like a post-apocalyptic kind of society it's very, all resources are very scarce. There's a lot of like dense world building jargon. Lots of things have weird names. Mm -hmm. 
they don't have enough, really have enough food. Everybody has to work very hard. Periodically, these winds sweep in and it's freezing cold. Like they have a lot of problems. And then these, this kid finds out that there is on one of these islands that is supposed to be ravaged by viruses, there is gold. And he's like, I'm going to build a hang glider and go get the gold and bring it back and we'll be rich and my dad will be happy. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. What? Who the fuck is buying gold? This yeah. is, why does the gold suddenly have more value? And then it, the surprise at the end is the gold is, is bees and honey. Great. But the initial uh, incident, like, oh, yeah, okay, they need bees to, to pollinate their trees, didn't solve the fascism problem at all. But fundamentally, the impulse of this is, if I go get gold, we will be happy. And it's like, nothing in your society functions on gold. Mm. Who is going to buy this gold from you? It has value in this society. that You have not explained to me why this is worth risking your life and everything you have to get. It's just it was it was stupid for the plot kind of adventure kickoff, Count, right? Counter counterpoint counterpoint uh, a judicious use of um, bees can't help you with a fascist problem. <laughs> <laughs> See, they cut it cut off before they went back, and I was I just really wanted them to solve the fascist problem. That would have been wonderful. I would have definitely made my son listen to that last chapter. We have to teach them. I mean, anyway. the, the the fact that you guys bailed out in the last chapter tells me everything oh, I need to know about like, how not good this it, was. It was like five or six chapters from the end, but it was a, it sure. was it was a, it was a tough read, and and that beginning bit where it was it was paced pretty slow, so it took a while for something to like start happening. But what started, what was the big kickoff was there's gold on this island, and if we go get it, we'll be rich. And I'm just like, this is so disconnected from everything in this world, right? And so yep. that's the kind of thing that I feel like is the big issue is like, if you, what you want is a story where, you know, your kids, kid characters take a hang glider into a hurricane to get to these islands. You should tell me it's bees up front. I also feel like, that. I also feel like this is the type of thing somebody wrote that fakes a British accent. I do enjoy that your that your child got to experience their first hate reading though. That's really good. <laughs> oh, we've and had you've a couple. Become a man. Yeah, we've exactly. had a couple where we get in. He's like, "Are you enjoying this?" I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, that's good though." No, yeah. he's he's definitely had a few like like he'll he'll enjoy a book that I'm going okay. So I don't usually like speak up unless mm -hmm. it's really getting egregious. I'll be like, "I'm sorry, what is this?" <laughs> But, you know, there have definitely been a couple. He's like, this is not for me. But, you know, a lot of really great books. Not that one, though. That one definitely has, like, a, like, and that's, I think that's the kind of thing we're talking about where it's like, you should know these things from the plot. You should know the kind of things, you know, if you're setting out to tell a certain kind of story, you should decide, you know, what do I need to make that happen? And do I want it to involve the weird, right? Mm -hmm. Um and 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 sort of build those things around the the, the points of necessity, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, another interesting curveball question: Do I need a map before I start yeah. writing? I've never had a map. <laughs> I think sometimes it is useful to like you know doodle a map if you want it. I would not put a lot of work into it unless this is something you're doing on the side that brings you joy. Yeah. I I I find sometimes it's helpful for me to sort of draw blobs that indicate where major features are because otherwise I will absolutely Man, guys, I think in my one of my first realms novels, I put the sea of fallen stars on the wrong side of the continent. 
because I because I I grew, yeah, no. I grew up. The water's on the east side. The, yeah. The Mississippi River's on the east side. And then I moved yeah. out here and the water's on the west side. I get so confused and I say Seattle's to the east. I've stopped. But it took me <laughs> years. I had lived here for like 15 years and it took me like 10 to stop saying that way is east because my brain was so in the groove and I still did it in a made up world. So, you know, if you're like me and you're directionally challenged, maybe having a little doodle map, post-it notes, maybe to keep you straight, keep your, keep you oriented correctly. Um, And if it's your joy, cool, but it is not a requirement under any circumstances. Make up whatever you need to be over the mountains. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, but I, I do know that there are some folks who are like, "Oh well, I need I need to know distances." Eh, I mean, again, it's why for what? Like you know, like it 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 takes them as long to get to travel as you need it to. Mm-hmm. You know, even even up to and including saying it took two days, much slower going than we expected. Yeah. Done. Yep. <laughs> you know, most like, most yeah. most of the time, giving people specific measurements is not worth the trouble and i feel like that that mindset comes out of i'm not sure but i would not be surprised if it comes out of sort of role playing and wanting to be able to tell people how long it takes to get somewhere because your players throw you curveballs uh but your characters can't throw you curveballs you you are them you are in charge of them if they throw you a curveball, you can decide to throw it away. Or you can go, this is wonderful. Thank you for giving it to me, story. Or you can go, no, stupid, stick to the story. Yep. It takes two days and we're not discussing it. Yep. Uh, no, I hate no. distances. Every... I hate distances and yep. I hate keeping track of how many days things take. Every time a book is like, it's so many leagues away. I'm like, I, I just, it, it's blurry text that I my eyes pass over. Full disclosure, <laughs> yeah. I still, I have looked this up so many times. I still don't know how long a league is. I don't know I either. my life just fine. You know, Google, can, can you, know, you tell me this? Shit, I thought I, thought I knew, you know. Um... Right? I swear oh, to God. Um... I, I mean, look I, know, I know every the, time you can go 40,000 of them, 3.45 so, oh. miles. So that is, yeah, that is a nautical lead. lead. Yeah. And then you can go for 40,000 leagues under the sea is super fucking deep now. I, can't <laughs> <believe that. laughs> I was like, man, I didn't. Yeah. Sorry. A league on land is three miles. Oh, still three miles. Okay. So it's like a 5k. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> now I will remember that. Okay. Yeah. I'm lying. I'm gonna forget again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think it doesn't help that, like in fairy tales, there are seven league boots, and so I'm like, yes, a league no, is seven what? miles. No, no, wait, That's hang on. What that means. Hang on a second. Okay, the deepest point of the ocean is roughly seven miles deep. Roughly, okay. You know, my my, my marine uh, oh, aficionados the, out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> roughly yeah. seven miles. Wait. Forty thousand leagues under the wait, sea wait, is wait. a. a a hundred and twenty thousand miles under the ocean. Is it? Is it twenty forty thousand leagues under the sea, or forty thousand no, no, leagues it's, well, under for, the sea? First off, it's twenty thousand. Twenty. Uh, oh, it is twenty thousand. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. But yeah. Well, that's still sixty thousand miles. <laughs> Does that mean that they are, they they go? 60,000 miles in the submarine without coming up or does that mean or do uh, they come up periodically oh, or does it mean so, it goes yeah. straight down because so, it sounds so, like straight down but like you're saying that is hot nonsense it's the travel it, it's yeah. right here it says uh, this is the distance uh, Nemo and company travel under the sea not the depth that they were traveling right then do 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 I was like Jules Verne has deceived me yeah 
Like, <laughs> Jules Verne just sitting there. How deep you think the ocean is? 20? Like, 30,000 leagues? 20,000 yeah. leagues. That's all. Yeah. Good. <laughs> no one's checked and won't for like 150 years. So, yeah. <laughs> That, that yeah. does explain my confusion as a child when people were like, "Oh yeah, no, you can't go to the bottom of the sea; you'll get crushed." I'm like, "But, but, but I saw I saw Michael Douglas's dad do it." Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, well, you're not Kurt Russell, or uh, no, I guess wait, Michael Douglas, wait, Kurt which one Douglas? was it? Kurt, Kurt Douglas, yeah, yeah, you're not Kurt somebody. Douglas, exactly. <laughs> if you were, maybe you could have made the trip, but you don't have the stones. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, world building. That's right. Uh, your mm. your you know your world could have sixty thousand. Your world, your world can have twenty thousand leagues under the sea. It can, unless uh, <laughs> unless you're like it's off the coast of L.A. and unless that is expressly what the story about is finding a like fuck all big trench next to Los Angeles. What a, uh, what a title, fuck all big trench. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I watched a documentary that I think was similar about about that. Yeah. Uh, right. So okay, so the the two other areas that I want to I want to try and get in here uh, again for the fantasy and uh, uh, sci-fi groups uh, is government. What what do you, what when it comes to like world building with governments involved what is your best recommendation for it? Because you can just say, it's the emperor and he does things and there are judges and they <laughs> and judge people. And then you end up with the D&D movie with the most useless empress that ever existed. <laughs> Not the new one, obviously. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. oh God, the 2000s. <laughs> oh man, that's a deep the, cut. I've deleted the, those files. I, I only saw it like in the last year. I didn't know something could be so bad. And that was one thing that made me crazy was that the government made no sense whatsoever. I enjoyed making I, fun I, of it with my wife a lot. But say, I feel like we told you expressly it was that you bad. You did, We're and I didn't you. believe you. Yeah. you did, and I thought, I thought Trevor's take on it was going to be my take on it, that I would watch it and think it was funny to see how bad it was. And it wasn't funny. It was not funny. It was upsetting. <laughs> It was more upsetting than I possibly could have imagined. Yeah. You, you you saw what I saw. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. like that it was bad and it should feel bad. I, it was yeah. it was a, a an event that was planned for the Dungeon Scrawler Discord. Um and I was in the chat and I did not keep my cool. I was like, what the shit is this? More yeah. than once. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, kids, guess what? That got made. Uh, your dreams are real. You can do anything. True, <laughs> right? True. Yep. Yep. So Never, uh, don't, don't take no for an answer. Yep. So, so how do you not world build the D and D two thousands government? <laughs> Actually, read books about government. <laughs> I mean, again, I unless it's pivotal to the story, I wouldn't. Yeah, you know? there's that. Yep. Like, yeah. Do, don't dig in if you're not interested in this. I think that's generally true about most world building. If yeah. you don't care about that, don't don't touch it. Leave it alone. It, but it I do feel help, like there, there's will... like a pressure to do that. Like uh, the way that a lot of people talk online is like, oh, you got to know all this stuff about your okay. world building. And listen, well, uh, uh, listen, I say this with all the love in my heart. Fuck those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Your process is your process. And I will tell, I will die on the hill of if you don't care about economics, just make sure your story is not about economics. Yeah. The, there's a king. There's an emperor. There's a council. You know, there's a the not red wizards that's taken the blue wizards <laughs> you, you know I, it, as long as there's more than two right exactly or uh, there's only never more than two a master and an apprentice which is the dumbest shit ever by the way as a proud <laughs> sith american i can say that's just stupid 
Like, why would you have your entire organization one shuttlecraft misfunction away from extinction? Like, what? Um, should be three and never two in the same place. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, it, it's it's like, everything Aaron just said. Like, again, and, and I, I give this as my blanket response to all of this. Unless it's pivotal to the story, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're like, um, we live on the coast and, um, you know, we're, we're, our economy is driven by fishing. Ooh, what kind of ships are there? Who cares? Is the book about the fishing ships? Mm. Then, you know, I mean, if, if you're writing Moby Dick, then the specs of the boat that the whale's <laughs> going to destroy are important. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> you know? am I right in thinking Herman Melville was really into whaling? Because I'm ready to hear, like, no, actually, he hated it. He God, that'd be great. Wait, 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 do you really not know where Moby Dick came from? I really uh, don't I, think I, I might have heard this, but I don't think so. It happened. Moby Dick's what? a true story, what? and the whale won. Yeah, the whale was like, fuck <laughs> all oh, y'all. No. Yeah. no, the oh, story's no. ridiculous. No, the whale yeah. destroyed. Okay, first of all, it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. The whale was like a known ship destroyer and like all the like the way he described Moby Dick is true. It was this like unusually large ripped up male whale that was just like fuck everybody wrecks the ship. The dudes are off the coast. They, they come from New England, wrecks the ship on the other side of South America. They turn to cannibalism. It takes them like two years to get home. The oh, actual yeah. story of Moby Dick is bananas. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna have to look this up. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and Herman place. Melville heard it and was like, I see a metaphor about capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the actual Moby Dick won and swam away happily. So, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use that in my day-to-day -day life now when someone tells me something incredible. I see a story about capitalism in this. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold on, wait, I have to look up the name of the ship. It's, um... Shoot, it's what's the, the name? Pequod, I'm assuming. Otherwise, no. lawsuits from survivors or something. Well, well, Maybe not that day. Wait, well, why no, you I do that? I, I, I'm assuming that the, the answer... Essex. The Essex. That's oh, the name of the actual right. ship. The Essex. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, Sorry. I'm assuming the answer is like if your story is around yeah. some form of fantasy politics and stuff like that, read into that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's there's sort of two levels here. One, like write about things you're interested in. Right, write about things you want to learn about if you don't already know about them, because when you fake it, it shows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you know, like, you can use that stuff, but it also keep in mind, like, there's there's sort of a a paradox here, right? You you want to write about things that you want to put the research in about, but at the same time, most of your readership doesn't know and is perfectly fine not knowing um so you can fudge a little bit of this stuff just fine so and th but this is the, the the other thing that i would kind of say and i sort of implied at the beginning you don't have to have all of this stuff locked down and in stone before you start and in fact yeah. i think that's a bad idea yep. um yeah. for all what we're sort of team prep ahead i really think there is value in building the world as you build the story so as you figure out what's going on you decide you shape the world around it um that might mean that you realize things later and you have to weave them back in earlier um it might mean that you've got you know kind of some you'll you'll realize oh i need to stop and figure this out those aren't ideal but they are better than sort of doing a bunch of work at the start 
laying out a bunch of things, getting into it and realizing the world that you built is too rigid for the story that you've created. I would say, no, finish your thought, please. Oh, I was going to say is I I do think that that like I know that is what I used to think. And I think that is because I came from writing fan fiction and it's like, oh, well, this is already written and I can just pull stuff from it to make my stories. That's how I should do things. I should have all I should make my own Star Wars galaxy. That way I can pull my stuff from it and write my own fan fiction about my own places. Um, mm. But now it is like it is very much like, no, the, the story is what comes first. And yeah, I'm going to build the world around what I need for that. Because if I if I made the pantheon of gods, and then I had an idea for an interaction between them, I'm like, oh well, I would actually like this character to, to be feminine. But I've written them written. I already have them in my my world building as masculine. I can't change that. It just got in the way of things. Yeah. Um. Yeah, hundred percent. Although I will say the opposite is true, though. Is as you're coming up with things and you name people and places, like keep track of that. Oh yeah, yeah fans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there are fans that'll come back and be like, you said this was green last time. In fact, <laughs> that's the reason The Hobbit exists. These were bedtime stories yeah. he would tell his children. And Christopher Tolkien, who was a raging douchebag to the day he died, was apparently a douchebag wow. when he was young. Because he literally would be like, Daddy, last time you said the door was green. And Tolkien would be like, motherfucker. And I was like, <laughs> right? Like, okay, Bilbo's door is green. Fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he started writing it down because his kid was a pedantic asshole. And remained <laughs> a pedantic asshole. Uh, I would say one other thing or two other things. Um, again, before his untimely demise, George R. R. Martin would do a lot of these like throwaway detail things that Aaron was talking about, where you give this like huge lavish description about something that doesn't matter. And you're like, well, that was just a distraction. Like in the first book, it can be charming where you're like, ooh, I'm going to read, you know, three pages about roast pheasant plums, you know? And then, but by the like fourth book that you waited seven years for, you're like, motherfucker, what happened to Jamie? You know, <laughs> um, the, the other thing I would say, if you're not sure about where to start with all of this, uh, I too draw heavily on history, uh, especially because unless it's the most obvious things, people tend not to notice. Like if you mention a place has a pharaoh, they're going to be on to you. Uh, yeah. But if you just describe the pharaonic system verbatim and don't call it that, they probably won't. So if you just pick a historical analog, just kind of as a basis, um, that it's like, um, like I just wrote something that was basically a, kind of a combination of Troy and Carthage versus a combination of Greece and Rome, kind of. Um, and so if you're like, oh, I'm going to base this similar to the government of Carthage. Well, okay, they had a Senate. Uh, culturally, they were incredibly risk averse. That's why they lost. That's why Carthage lost to Rome, even though they outdid them like by many magnitudes in every statistical category. The culture of Carthage was very risk averse. If you failed, you got crucified, literally. Yeah. Like if you tried something and it didn't work, you were executed publicly and painfully as a cautionary tale to the rest of them. Where Rome was the exact opposite. Rome rewarded glory. Like it was better yeah. to swing every time because eventually it will be a home run and people will make statues about you. So you had this one group of people that were just like YOLO constantly. <laughs> and, 
then the other group, they were like, well, we probably could beat them if we attack right now, but ooh, it might not work. Therefore, I won't do it. And that was why Carthage ultimately lost. Mm -hmm. So even if you just like take some, you're like, it's non-specifically Carthage. You know what I mean? And just kind of have that in the back of your head that anytime you come across like, well, what would happen to the general that failed? Well, he's going to get fucking crucified. <laughs> just gonna have, and, I, and I do not mean figuratively. I mean, literally. The, the, you know? the, the example I can remember hearing about this from a, from a writer was uh, uh, Marie Brennan for the... Is it, yeah, I think that's her name. Uh, but she wrote Trent? the... Huh? Lady Trent? Yes, Sorry, the Lady Trent uh, series, the the uh, Natural History of Dragons. Uh, in the first book, there is a religion that's very prominent through the first one. And I remember listening to a podcast interview with her, and they were like, so how did you come up with that religion? She goes, oh, oh, they're Jewish. I just, I just... I, I just took the religion that I know <laughs> because it's mine and and, and I just had that there. <laughs> I, I was like, that worked perfectly. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, I and as as painful it is to say this, I'm just gonna uh, rope a, a religion in with politics for this one of like just the same thing. If it's not uh, important to the story, don't need to worry about it. If it is, read into it. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we're, we're 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 getting towards the end of the show, so I I, I will just say all things being equal, mm -hmm. the further removed from real life and actuality you are, the bigger swings you can take. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah you yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. Like like if you're if you're writing a story about Hasidic Jews in in West Hollywood or just Hollywood, which there is a very large Hasidic Jewish community in Hollywood, um, then you should probably be very specific. If you're telling a story about um, uh, a very conservative ethnic minority uh, religious sector sect on the third moon of the planet Glibnorb. <laughs> oh, Glibnorb. <laughs> <laughs> know it well. You know? I my honeymoon there. Hey, how'd you know the name of the book? Oh, Glibnorb. <laughs> I knew it well. <laughs> <laughs> then you do what you do yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's like they've all got beards and ponytails because fuck you yeah. and they worship the rising sun but only at midnight for reasons only they understand because they're not pure enough of heart to gaze upon the actual sun so that's why they're fully nocturnal even though they're sun worshipers you know what i mean you just I like that do that you know what that was off the dome i was good great. at this trevor i'm good at this yeah, I, I mean it's we, we've been doing 94 episodes of it. I, hope we're, I hope we're mildly good at it <laughs> you know but you you understand what i mean though the further you get away from actuality i will say this yeah. last thing no, no. the last what thing, i was at, i was about to ask for last thing so the most important thing is the consistency just like aaron has said we've all kind of alluded to it if you establish that the sun worshipers do not feel worthy to gaze upon the sun so they're fully nocturnal but halfway through the book they're sunbathing on a beach <laughs> i better be fucking impactful man <laughs> yeah yeah I better be yeah. a full-on schism <laughs> yeah exactly exactly or or you've just done a bad job That's so yeah uh, just, it was the summer yeah. vac vacation that ruined entire religion <laughs> it's true you know what i mean like i imagine this is not a phase dad the kids phase. all bronze they're all pale and sickly and the kids all brown you know oh what i mean goodness. oh boy <laughs> 
I would add, remember, this is NaNoWriMo, that you're you're doing a first draft. Yeah. Finishing a first draft. Yep. So you are allowed to be messy with this. You're allowed to have placeholder stuff. You're allowed to change your mind in the middle and then go back and fix it later. Um, you're going to find out a lot of stuff about your story and what it needs and what you're trying to say by doing it. Um, yep. So, you know, if you feel uh, like you're not 100% sure on something, try it out. See what happens. And yeah, you can fix it later. There's, a, a novel is a wonderful, you know, living kind of creation. You can keep changing it until it's in print, basically. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you're stuck with it and you have to keep thinking about it every time you yeah. write a sequel. Do another one. Now, yep. do the yep. next one. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's children. True. There's something about you, something about your interaction with them that's going to put them on a therapy couch someday. Don't worry about it. Yep. <laughs> try your best. Don't don't try to put them on there. Yes, right. Yes. yes. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know a better place to wrap up this episode, so we're going to do so. <laughs> Friends, where can people find you and what awesome things you're working on? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Blue Sky at Aaron M. Evans. You can join me on twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrawlers on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific for Concentration Check, a co-writing space. Come do some Pomodoro Sprints with me. And on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Pacific for Fearful Symmetry, a D&D game with a bunch of fancy writers that I am DMing. Yeah. And doing a great job inflicting all the emotional <laughs> trauma. My girl's all grown up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you later. Is it is it is it is it not just the best feeling though when they have that moment of like ah, and you're like yes once again you we see got, there's nothing I cannot take from you. We got a comment in the chat and someone said this show I'm either I'm either laughing so hard I can't breathe or I'm putting my emotions in a salad spinner. I'm like oh that's all I yep. want. That's it <laughs> done and done done and done. Like keep uh, laughing. Wait a second. Pulch. That's how you get them. That's how you get them. That was like the, the, when Lucky Yates was on the Black Dice Society and was Piddlewick. We spent the first half of that episode laughing harder oh than I God. probably have in months. And then the second half, I got him. <laughs> Bang. And even Lucky was like, I didn't know that's what the show was like. And I'm like, yes. And you helped me by getting them to lower their defenses, Lucky Yates. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, B. Dave Walters, say words about things. Uh, again, 14-day writer. And 14-day TTRPG creator is directly relevant to all of this. Even though it's TTRPGs, still talking about creating fantasy worlds. Check it out at theundisputedacademy.com. Uh, the the is very important now. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, you can find me on all the dystopian social medias at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. And if you want to read my writing, you can do so by playing Owl Champions of the Forgotten Realms after you play for a while but you'll get there uh you can also catch me on fearful symmetry uh on wednesdays at 6 30 p.m pacific standard time on twitch.tv slash dungeon scholars is florin morin who's being emotionally tortured right now and i'm loving every minute of it <laughs> but that is gonna do it for this week's episode thank you all so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode the best way to support support it is by leaving a review on your podcast surface of choice and telling your friends about the show uh, if you have any questions, you can send them into writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com. We're trying to record a few episodes in a row to, uh, full of uh, listener questions, so be sure to send those in so you can get uh, get your answer. Uh, but that, uh, wait, no, I screwed up my own outro. Follow mm. us on Blue Sky at About Dragons if you want to keep up to date on the show. But until next week, go write about some dragons and shit. I did it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>